BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Oh my gosh. I love, like literally love this couple that I just spoke with, Sabrina and Garrett. They are living the dream. Garrett was a chemical engineer. Sabrina did all sorts of jobs and they realized, and they're, they're married, they, they realized they just love dinosaurs and they love talking about dinosaurs. And it turns out there's another million people around the world who also love dinosaurs and adults, kids, whatever. And so they started a podcast, I Know Dino. And it got huge. They quit their jobs. They're making a living from their podcast and merchandise and so on. And we have a fun talk, not just about dinosaurs, but also how to start your own niche podcast and hopefully quit your jobs and how great it is to live your passion and live your dream and, and work at it. And, you know, I remember a, a few weeks ago, I had a podcast with Stephen Kotler who says in your 30s or 40s, you start to merge your passions with what you do. And that's a good way to get into flow. Now, I didn't really do that in my 30s. I wish I had, but uh, Sabrina and Garrett did. And it's just great talking to them. Here they are. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. So Sabrina and Garrett, I am so happy to meet you guys. I, I saw your story and wanted to learn more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Basically live off of a podcast about dinosaurs. Yes. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like as a kid, I love dinosaurs like every other kid. But what kept it going for you two? And then we'll start talking about the business. But like, tell me about dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, we also love dinosaurs as a kid. And then we started the podcast. It's been eight years now. We had a dinosaur-themed wedding beforehand. Well, we kind of like rediscovered our love of dinosaurs. What was it, like three years into dating? Yeah. Yeah, we both loved them as kids. And then we totally went into, you know, other typical teenager dinosaurs aren't cool anymore phase. And then as adults, we got back interested in dinosaurs. Don't let the dinosaurs know that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, so we had this dinosaur-themed wedding. There was a guy in an, uh, one of those animatronic suits. So he's like a, in a T-Rex, and then he's got the head that could move and everything, which was amazing. And I, <laughs> I just like thinking about how all the adults loved, his name is Duncan. All the adults loved Duncan, and kids around uh, 10 or so, they were terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you were dating for three years? Did you Were you 
always in love with dinosaurs or and like you didn't want to tell the other person because <laughs> oh he's gonna think i'm totally uncool or like what was the story i think we just kind of forgot about them for a while Yeah, we, we totally forgot about dinosaurs even being a thing and then we when we were living near new york we kept going to the american museum of natural history and we're like we keep coming here there's something about it we're like oh it's, it's dinosaur dinosaurs. hall is so cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wait, in the in the Museum of Natural History in New York, there's like a big brontosaurus, mm -hmm. if I remember. Or yep. So is is the brontosaurus the really the biggest dinosaur? Is that true? I think they've got Patagotitan now, which is even bigger. Yeah, it's they got a bigger one in that museum. Yeah, 122 feet long. Were dinosaurs like smart at all? Like, what animal would you say is equivalent to dinosaurs in intelligence? Oh, that's a good question. It depends on the dinosaur, because some of them were definitely smarter than others. A lot of people think like T-Rex or like the big predators were the smartest because, you know, they got to hunt and they might have to like cooperate a little bit, raise young, all that kind of stuff. So they might be like, uh, I guess like a hunting bird now, like a hawk or something. Pretty clever. You could train them something maybe. But like, <laughs> like, how do they know the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex were hunters? Like, how do they even know that? It's like 150 million years ago. <laughs> That's true. Well, they, a lot of it's like inferential because they have like huge sharp teeth. But sometimes we find like other animals with tooth marks that match T-Rex teeth, or we find like stuff where their stomach would have been that's like crushed up bone or something like that. And then, yeah, you could do some like forensic, ancient forensic analysis type stuff. There's been some um, coprolites, like fossilized poop even with little bits of bone in it. So that's how you know it's a bone crusher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man, that must've been horrible to be eaten by a ty Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like, so, so three years into dating, you just you both discovered, hey, you know what? We go to this museum enough. We both love dinosaurs. What led to the first off? How did you meet? Oh, uh, totally unrelated to dinosaurs. It was uh, an undergrad and at a party actually that my uh, housemates and I were hosting. <laughs> <laughs> and and Garrett just crashed the party and went straight <laughs> to you and said, "Hey, I know a good museum we could go to." <laughs> We had, yeah, we had some like friends in common and it, it was like a highlighter party, right? So everyone was like covered in highlighter. Oh, well, people yeah. People drawn we, on each other. So you switch out all the lights with black lights and you tell everyone, wear a white t-shirt and we passed out highlighters and you could draw yeah. on each other. <laughs> yep. And I could hear and before you I saw a dinosaur. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you get married, you're, you're a chemical engineer, you're, you were in publishing, education, all these different industries. What brought you to say, hey, we should just do a podcast for fun? Yeah, I mean, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts and there weren't really any dinosaur podcasts. And there were so many dinosaur discoveries happening that I was like, where is the podcast that is covering all of these? And there wasn't I know, right? one. Yeah, <laughs> we needed one <laughs> and no one else was doing it. So we just did it. <laughs> what were some of the discoveries that were happening? Oh man, let's see, in 2014? There was, I think, Dreadnoughtus came out. So that was another really big one. It was, and it means fear nothing dinosaur because it was so big. Yeah, another huge one, probably bigger than Brontosaurus. Yep. And uh, wow. Anzu, I Anzu, think, I think might have been 2014 also. That means its full name means chicken from hell, or at least that's its nickname. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> Who's naming these dinosaurs? It's basically whoever writes the description of it first. So sometimes, especially back in the day, there was like a race to describe it because then you got to name it. It didn't oh, matter yeah. who found it. If you like wrote it up, then you get to name it. That was the 1870s, 1890s. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. the, the big race. But so, so in 2014, you decided, let's get some recording equipment and 
were you telling the stories about dinosaurs or were you interviewing paleontologists whose articles you liked or what were you doing? Both. Yeah, we started reaching out to paleontologists and there was some, it, it's a really awesome community. Like everyone's really passionate and excited to talk about their work. So we were very lucky. Like early on, we got some really um, big names. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger than we knew at the time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Joe Rogan wasn't reaching out to the <laughs> paleontologist community. That's very true. Yeah. It is a niche. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, there, there's very good advice, which is that when you're starting a podcast, you should like niche down twice. So, you know, ancient history or paleontology wasn't enough. You had to go specifically for dinosaurs. Yep. And it turns out there was a an excited group. Like on an average basis, who is listening to your podcast? Like what is the type of person who is listening to your podcast? It's basically people like me. That's how we well, <laughs> imagine and them. People like us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe two-thirds are like me and one-third are like Sabrina is roughly the breakdown. They're like, you know, <laughs> mid-30s people that are into dinosaurs. That's just average. It's it's sort of like a typical podcast listener. Any Mostly adults, but there are a few kids that listen. We've gotten people who'd say they listen with their family, so they listen with their kids or their grandkids. Yep. I, I would imagine like moms who are driving their kids, I'm being sexist here, it could be dads driving their kids too are probably listening for themselves and for the kids. The kids probably are excited about it too. Yeah, that definitely happens. We've heard parents say, like, we use our podcast, they use our podcast to bribe their kids to do stuff. Like, you know, get like, in the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got to go. You, you could listen to this in the car, but you got to get in the car. <laughs> That's funny. So you, start, you started in, in 2014, which by the way is when I started mine. Nice. And the good thing about like, like I don't have like a real specific niche uh, but the good thing I think about having a real specific niche like you guys is that the listeners are loyal. Like your listeners, it's like ride or die with you. Like they, you know, <laughs> they want you to be in business. They want you to do your podcast. They have, they feel they have personal relationships with you probably. Uh, what's that like? It's really nice. Yeah. We've done a few meetups and it's been really great getting to know people. And we have a Discord channel set up so we can chat about dinosaurs whenever we want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. It it was like during COVID when it was like, uh, you know, the world is on fire. We could go and we could just like talk to some of our listeners. And it was just it was very uplifting. It's it's been great. Yeah, because by that point you had hundreds of hours of content too. Yeah. So they could binge on you yeah. if they and catch up. Escape so, reality. Uh, <laughs> So like when you first started, did you think anybody would be listening? Like what did you what was what did you first do? Like did you just say, "Hey, we're going to record something and put it on the internet?" Like what how did you start it? Yeah, kind of. It was we reached out to a few paleontologists and did a few interviews and then we recorded our first few episodes. It was we launched a few months before Jurassic World came out, which uh, worked out nicely because Apple Podcasts ended up reaching out to us because they wanted to feature a dinosaur podcast around the time when the movie was coming out. And that really helped. So I, I think <laughs> we didn't know what to expect. And then that happened and was like, oh, people like learning about dinosaurs just like us. This could really be something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, were you ever in the beginning, of course, you're building your audience. Like, were you ever frustrated in the beginning, wondering where this was going to go? I think in the beginning, it, it went pretty quickly. Sabrina 
is very good at starting lots of projects. She's very ambitious and hardworking. And so I'm sort of like along for the right. I know Dinah would not exist without her if it was just me. If it was just her, it would probably still be here. But <laughs> so she did a lot of the legwork early on and helped get it going. And we record, we pre-recorded a bunch of episodes like in late 2014. And then we released them all in early 2015. And it it sort of gained momentum organically. And we were seeing growth, even though it was just like, oh, you start out with 20 listeners it was pretty quickly up to like 100 or 200. And it felt good because I would imagine if I was in a room and there were 100 people listening to me, that was enough to keep me motivated. And then maybe six months later was when we were featured on um, Apple. And then we were up to maybe 1,000 listeners or so. And then that from that point on, it's like, well, we got to keep going. (laughs) It's all these people. (laughs) Yeah, and then then you didn't have ads, right? You used Patreon to... Ask, subscribe. And I think also that's the great thing about being niching down so much is that they're very loyal and they want you to continue. So they're happy to contribute to Patreon. Like when did that start being sufficient that you could consider quitting your jobs? Oh, that took a number of years. Yeah, it it took a while. (laughs) I think I started working on it full time after four or five years. Um, and Sabrina was just After last year, right? six years. Yeah, it was just like a year or two ago I was able to quit my job and now we're both doing it. Yeah. But yeah. How come he was able to quit his job first? <laughs> well, I got laid off. So it was like the decision was <laughs> oh, made for us, I, I guess. <laughs> I was like, I guess you're the one doing it full time. <laughs> and now, is it a great feeling like you basically could do this for the rest of your lives? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it changes our retirement planning a little bit because it's like, okay, maybe we don't need to save quite as much. We could, and we can make a little bit less and just keep doing this forever. <laughs> At least that's the goal. Yeah. Cause it's like that Patreon thing just keeps on rolling. Yeah. So, like, do you ever run out of material or or do you ever get bored of dinosaurs, God forbid? <laughs> we were really worried in the beginning we'd run out of stuff or there'd be a week where there wasn't as much news. There's been a dinosaur discovered almost every week. And so it's been more of a, really? oh no, what news do we not talk about this week? There's too much. <laughs> yeah. Now, are birds descended from pterodactyls? They're from dinosaurs. So technically birds are dinosaurs from like a, a phylogenetic or like family tree of animals perspective. Yep, but pterosaurs, like like pterodactyl, they're a different branch. They're a very close relative, but they're technically not dinosaurs, just where we drew the line and said, like, this is a dinosaur, this isn't. It's totally arbitrary, but yeah, they're technically not. Are pterodactyls like bats? They're kind of like bats. There's only three animals that ever evolved flight that have vertebrae. It's just bats, pterosaurs, and dinosaurs, also known as birds. Um, and the way that bats and pterodactyls did it are, it's like the way I always describe it is pterosaurs, they use their pinky to fly. They just like have one really long pinky and that's what their wing grows out of. Bats have their hand and then dinosaurs have their whole arm. So that's basically the difference. <laughs> what's a dinosaur that flies other than birds? I mean, like what's an old dinosaur that flies? Archaeopteryx is like pretty much the oldest one we know of. It's a cool one. Wow. And so you guys are, have you ever considered like just on the side getting PhDs in paleontology <laughs> or you don't even need them, right? Because you are at some point, you're the most well-known experts on dinosaurs in the world probably at this point. We have considered getting a PhD, but it's one of those things where- What would be the point? Yeah. <laughs> and th- they're useful if you want to do research, if you want to teach in a university or something like that, but that's not what we're trying to do. So Well, yeah. that's 
actually, the cool thing about paleontology we talk about on our show a lot of time and with a lot of our guests is like there's so many paths to it because, yes, you can go the PhD route, but you can also go the science communication route, or you can just go out and start volunteering at museums and preparing fossils and going on digs. Like you get a lot of experience in a lot of different ways. Yeah. A couple of the most famous paleontologists in the world never got a college degree because they went out in the field and they were digging and all that stuff. And yeah, just made it work. Oh, that's great. I highly approve of that. <laughs> so have you gone on digs and done podcasts from digs? We've gone on digs and I am terrible at spotting <laughs> fossils to the point where uh, there was a, a little like an intro um, training session before the actual dig part and where they knew where some fossils were in the ground and they're trying to see if we could find them. And there was one right by my foot, I guess. And I just kept missing it because it looked like all just regular rocks to me. And they asked me if I was colorblind because <laughs> these particular fossils were an orange they're shade. Like, Look for the bright orange thing right by your foot. And you're like, I don't see it. <laughs> Wait, what, were, what, what kind of dinosaur were they fossils of? What was that one? It was some kind of vertebrae of... It, it was pretty fragmentary. My guess is there's this dinosaur, Myasaura, or maybe Troodon. It was in that formation, so maybe it was one of those two. Myasaura is a big duckbill. Troodon is a little Velociraptor-ish looking thing. Yeah, this is out in Montana. In Montana. But then for the actual dig, I did redeem myself because I managed to find pieces of fossilized eggshells. Yeah, we were at a nest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, I guess that gives clues as to, I don't know what, like what, what does it mean to find eggshells? They were trying to figure yeah, out the way they were- like how part of it was like how many layers deep it is because if they return to the same nest site over and over and over again, then that's sort of like a behavioral thing like some birds do now where they like have their nesting community. They come back every year. And I think they were still trying to figure out what kind of dinosaur it was too. Mm-hmm. So hoping to find like a bone mixed in with the, well, the eggshells. really hard to tell from just an egg what dinosaur it belonged to or eggshells. But I guess it tells you how they birth. Did any dinosaur birth children without eggs? We don't know for sure. So like birthing live young is evolutionarily a relatively easy thing to evolve. And we just, the only way you'd know is if you found like a fossilized dinosaur and like a fossilized, you know, fetus inside it. And we haven't found that. So like all the ones we know of, we've seen lots of them that lay eggs. We found them with eggs inside them and we found them with, you know, sitting on nests of eggs and stuff like that, but we've never found one with a live young. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I I became a really good guest of Airbnbs. And I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin 
next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So you were learning so much about dinosaurs. You were having fun. Your your audience was loyal. When did you first start asking for $1 for Patreon? I think that was about six months in. Yeah. Yeah, it was six months in and we started the Patreon. And then we also, we did end up uh, start working with advertisers and we started off with uh, ones that fit really well. So we went on this road trip to uh, Alberta, Canada, a couple of museums there and then a couple of museums in Montana. That's where we did the dig. And a friend of ours, before we left on the trip, was like, oh, why don't you uh, pitch to these museums? We're like, Oh, it's like a light bulb moment. Like, <laughs> oh, yes, we should do that. That's a very good fit. So... <laughs> Yeah, so one of them started advertising. And then just recently, uh, one of the other ones, we met someone there, and it kind of shows how long an advertise cycle can take. We're like just now about to start advertising with one of them. This was, what, seven years ago? Six, seven years ago? Something like that, yeah. Um, <laughs> it take, sometimes it takes a while to build a relationship and all that stuff. And then you also started selling merchandise, right? Yes. 
Yeah. So we. So what do you got? We've got we've got it all. We've got the t-shirts and the mugs and the pillows and everything. We did this. It was really fun. Was it a year or two ago now? I think we had a t-shirt design contest because we realized that a lot of our listeners are amazing artists, and so we wanted to showcase their work. And so we did a call, like, okay, um, design something, and we'll make a contest, and we'll have a vote. And we got something like twenty-two designs or something, and then like. I think even in the thousands of votes, yeah. and we you ended up adding uh, what five of the design. I can't remember. We it were originally hard. just going to do one. Like we'll pick the best one, and hopefully we'll get like or at the least one that, three. The one that got the most votes. But then I was like, oh, these are all so good. Where do we draw the line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and have you considered things like I don't know, like a dinosaur card game or a jigsaw puzzle? I'm just thinking back to things I liked as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we it's one of those things where it's like for if you start selling physical stuff, it's a whole other kettle of fish that I'm really hesitant for. I think Sabrina's more gung-ho about it, but like I'm just imagining like a garage full of like unsold jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> so all the things Well, you could do drop shipping like yeah. where you where you only sell when they order. Exactly. So that's all the stuff only we make do now when they order. is like that. Except for occasionally we do like a special thing for our patrons where we're like mail everybody this one thing. Like we made a bunch of patches that have, they say die-know-it-all on them and they're like a big triceratops That's type our, skull. If you're in our community, you're a die-know-it-all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a die-know-it-all, I like it. And uh, so at first the Patreon was growing. Is Patreon still the main source of revenue? Yeah, it depends on the month. It's Sometimes it's Patreon, sometimes it's advertising. We, but we also, we got the merch, we got books, we do consulting, so it's like a mix of things. What kind of consulting? Oh, yeah, dinosaur stuff. So <laughs> there was somebody who's making some new dinosaur big, you know, like sculptures. And they were like, we want your feedback on how to make them more realistic. So we helped her with that. Oh, you have a radio show now? I didn't no, know. We no, don't. we don't. I mean, like, that would oh, be the closest, the closest to podcasting yeah. is a radio. Oh, the equivalent. Right. So, uh, and so, Garrett, when you were laid off and um, you were thinking of doing this full time, were you scared? Was it kind of this leap into the unknown? Yeah. Like, what if it didn't work or whatever. Yeah. Sabrina is much more comfortable. She's like a real entrepreneur. I'm like married to an <laughs> entrepreneur, so I do it too. But I'm like, I mean, I did engineering. It's like one of the safest. I was looking for like, what's the job that will be around for a while that I can do and is like guaranteed to have a return on my time at college. Like I don't, and, and Sabrina's like, let's do this. We can make it work. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Wouldn't dinosaurs be a good lesson that nothing lasts forever? I mean, <laughs> how long were dinosaurs around? Oh, a long time. Like 140 million years? Is that what we say? Oh, maybe longer. 100 and, oh, 180 I mean, million years? I mean, like the human species has been around for like two and a half million years, right? So, and dinosaurs were around so much longer yeah. with absolutely nothing new happening to them, just like <laughs> living and dying for 150 million years. And then is it still true that a meteor wiped them out or we don't really know? Yeah, it's a, most people think it's an asteroid because there's a, there's this layer of iridium all over the Earth. And if you look below the iridium, you'll find dinosaurs. And if you look above it, you don't. And a lot of times asteroids have a bunch of iridium in it. And it's kind of a rare thing on Earth. So it's like, how else would this weird ash layer of iridium spread across the entire world? Mm -hmm. And then they found a crater in Mexico that's like that age. And they're like, okay, this Seems is to match. too much of a coincidence. And then the impact was so large that they found these glass spherules on the moon that came from it. So it's crazy. Wow. 
I thought it was in Siberia that the asteroid hit. There are big that, asteroid impacts in Siberia too, but the the one that lines up in time with dinosaurs is in the Yucatan Peninsula. Have you visited it? We went by it. We were on a cruise one time, and I realized like we're getting kind of close to this. Could we do like a side trip? But it's it's like underwater mostly, and the rest of it's under forest, so you can only really see it if you have like you know mapping sonar equipment type stuff. It's not really anything you can enjoy. <laughs> you you guys seem really happy. Like, do you ever argue? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you argue about? Where, where, what do you ever argue about? Where you're like, oh, I have to go to the other room. <laughs> or I have to leave for a little while. I don't know if it gets that intense. It, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> With dinosaurs, we argue about which is better. So Sabrina likes the long neck dinosaurs, like brontosaurs. I like these slightly more obscure ones called ankylosaurs, which have the big club tail and the armored back. They look kind of like a turtle. And sometimes we argue about that. Yeah, but we don't we don't argue about too much. <laughs> you don't argue about who's doing the dishes or. Oh yeah, we worked that out, out years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. And and no kids yet, right? Or oh no, we have, kids? we have a kid. Yep, a baby. And oh, well, the baby doesn't like dinosaurs yet. But you're gonna not yet. We have a lot of baby of dinosaur onesies, so you know, starting early, but. It's too early. It's too soon to tell. Yeah, they're either going to love dinosaurs yeah. or completely hate them. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be embarrassed about you when yeah. their friends come over and there's dinosaurs everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> we might be cool for like six months and then they'll be like, okay, I'm done with dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Um, what What would you say, like for someone who's starting like a niche podcast, is it, is it too late to do what you did for one thing? Like it's 2023. Can someone start a niche podcast now or any kind of podcast now and do what you did and and eventually quit their jobs doing it. I think so. There are other podcasts now. They're not dinosaur specific, but they're paleontology that mm -hmm. are really great. Um, and a lot of people doing good work and and also have Patreons and stuff like that. And I think that's the key that was in 2023 is having that niche and yes. then making sure it's something that you really enjoy talking about because you're going to be at it for a while. <laughs> yeah, and if it's something new too. Yeah. I'm, I was just at a podcast conference and I met a woman who has a podcast about stuttering and there wasn't any, It's I think it's called the, the Proud Stutter or something like that. And so she just talks about stuttering and there's a community out there, but there wasn't a big you know, stutter podcast community and she found an angle and it's gained a lot of traction. I think she started it like a year ago, maybe even less. Hmm. And she's already like getting nominated for awards and stuff. So if you can find something, that combination of like, you're passionate about it and the world doesn't have it, then you can do it. But doing like a new general podcast right now, like I have a lot of great ideas and I'd like to just chat about how smart I am. Like that probably is, it might be a little late for that. There's a lot of those. Well, around. you you would know and, more about that. I, yeah, I mean, I look, I experiment with niche formats so that I can keep my own inspiration going. Like, because there's only so much you could talk about. Hey, what's the best things to do in life? Oh, don't eat sugar and be grateful every day. Like, there's only so many times I can I can hear that on my podcast. But like, you know, it, it's it's so exciting though to do something niche because of that that loyalty. What are some best practices you would recommend for people who are starting out? Be consistent in however. So for us, it's we publish every week and we make sure that no matter what, we're going to get an episode out. Um, also, just making sure you every episode is the best you can make it be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the quality is important. 
it's not as important since I do our our sound editing. I always feel like, oh, everyone's going to notice if there's like this little click here. People really don't care that much. They care more about the content than the exact audio quality, but that doesn't mean the audio quality be, can be totally terrible. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty impressive mic you both have right there. <laughs> like, Jay, our audio engineer, Jay, are there mics better than mine? <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> it's still very impressive. <laughs> It, what are some other best practices? Um, have fun with it. People can tell if you're enjoying <laughs> it or not. And like our early episodes, uh, when we were both working full time and then we would be recording late at night, sometimes we were a little bit tired. I think one of our comments was, "Get these hosts a cup of coffee." <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I think people enjoy when they feel part of the conversation. So it's not just you like educating them. You're like, you know, they're part of the family. Yep. Yeah. You know, and in terms of marketing, do you do anything special that, on that front? Like, how do you get more subscribers now? It's a, yeah, it's a lot of different ways. I'm trying to think. Let's see. We've got like a newsletter. We're on social media. We're experimenting with video. We do things like how for our eight year anniversary, we did this big push where we were highlighting all these past episodes, different favorites, and then um, talking up the Styracosaurus patch that people could get. And then a lot of, um, cross uh, collaborations with other podcasts and like what what's a cross collaboration like because how do you find other i mean is it other dinosaur podcasts or it could be anything we've done dinosaur podcasts paleontology or more science related podcasts we've done a horror podcast because like Jurassic Park was a horror movie we're so, talking this guy named James i don't know if you know yeah, him that's <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's a really naive question. What is paleontology? I thought that was the dinosaurs. Yes. Yeah, paleontology is just the study of basically ancient life, I think is the way to describe it. Usually fossils, so stuff that's usually extinct. Yep. Sometimes it can be like stuff that is related closely. So but it's, it's often dinosaurs, but it could also be like ice age animals, mm -hmm. mammoths kind of stuff, or um, pterosaurs, the mosasaurs, the ones that were swimming. Yeah, and it, you can go farther back to to when the ocean it was just in the oceans and when things didn't even have vertebrae yet and you know really creepy giant bugs all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it all counts. Have you ever have you ever thought about doing like a, a spin-off podcast about something else like let's say ancient humans or I don't know something else? Yeah, we started doing for our patrons. That's another marketing thing is we have just for our patrons once a month we release an episode that's another paleontology topic because people have been asking us for that. So we did one on terror birds, which are like these giant meat-eating ostriches is maybe the way to describe them. <laughs> that kind of gave rise in, right after the dinosaurs went extinct. Yeah. Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? Well, with almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise dedicated to shaping brighter futures for both students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and their proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. 
No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I'm definitely going to use HIMS for now. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. HIMS.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See HIMS.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Does that ever give you perspective like, okay, these dinosaurs were around for 150 million years and then this random event happens that wiped them all out and somehow or other, I guess something must have survived because somehow or other, every other species came from that, but no dinosaurs are left really, mm -hmm. not the big ones. So it kind of gives you this weird perspective like that could just happen. Yeah. yeah. But also because they went extinct, we're here today. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> But how, what survived to make us live? Yeah, there were these little tiny, basically all the time. So mammals were around the whole time dinosaurs were around. They were just like in little burrows. If you think of like opossums and like little rats and maybe small cats and dogs, like that was it for like 150 million years. And then the dinosaurs went extinct. And then mammals were like, they found some new opportunities where the dinosaurs used to be the big predators and stuff. And the mammals popped up. And then, yeah, so our ancestors are like these little tiny rats, basically, that survived the extinction event. So they were around then. Yeah. They're not like descended from dinosaurs. It's just that they were small enough somehow that the asteroid didn't affect them. Yeah, yeah. and they were a little bit lucky. 
Yeah, a lot of them were like omnivores, which is helpful when there's a, a big extinction event. If you're a more generalist, because then you can eat whatever you can manage to scrounge up for a meal. Whereas if you're a dinosaur that only eats like a specific type of leaf and that, that forest burns down, you're kind of out of luck. Yeah. And how long do you think the extinction event lasted? Like, was the skies black for a million years or what, what happened? There, there's a really, or did it just take one year and they were all gone? There's a really good book uh, that came out last year called The Last Days of Dinosaurs, and, and we're fans of the author. And she paints this great picture of like what it was like the hour after, the day after, the weeks after. And it, it affected things for— It was years. Years. I think the estimates now range from like four to 20 years of basically like dark sky, soot all over the upper atmosphere, nuclear winter level— Badness. And how does she know? <laughs> a lot of research. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of it's modeling for like how, because we can tell like how there's the glass on the moon and stuff. Mm-hmm. We can kind of tell with the impact and the angle. They figured out like the angle and the speed, how much ash would have gone up into the upper atmosphere. And you can find it in the rock. And then like about how long it would stay up there because we have volcanic eruptions and stuff you can compare to, and then see like, okay, it would have blocked out the sun for this long, so the temperature would have dropped this much for this long. And Yep, and we like one thing we think now is that there was an earthquake that lasted a few weeks. <laughs> Just some terrible things. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I would just probably just kill myself <laughs> at the first. You probably wouldn't have at to. At the first. <laughs> yeah, probably it would just happen. <laughs> the whole world would go upside down. Yeah. And, you know, again, like in terms of best practice, like, do you, are you researching 24 hours a day? Like what's most of your day like? If you put out one episode a week, what's Tuesday like? <laughs> well, Tuesday is my, is my research day. So, my editing day. Yeah. So I go through all of the, uh, the news items that came out and track down the papers. And then we, we figure out like, hey, what, what do we want to cover? We're trying to do uh, more themed episodes now so that it's a little more cohesive. And yeah, and it's like, well, what's exciting? And then um, if there's somebody we want to reach out to, like, oh, they did this really cool paper. Let's see if we can get them on the show. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah, I think Sabrina basically works on sort of the planning a little bit every day because she does the social media too. So it's a, she kind of combines the two. She'll find stuff to tweet about and at the same time write it down as a potential thing for a future podcast and then sort of whittle through that list and then as they get too old or aren't lumping with other things or aren't interesting enough, then they'll kind of get removed from the list. And then, yeah, she often tells me, this would be a good thing for you to cover. And then <laughs> you can tell she's the driving force behind it. <laughs> and on days when you don't do a lot of work, are there other things like other hobbies or things you like to do? Yeah, there used to be. But now that we have a baby, we don't have hobbies anymore. <laughs> we we all used baby, to travel all, baby all the time. <laughs> yeah, we used to travel. <laughs> I mean, I really, I still really like the idea of spinoff show doing some other aspect of history or paleontology and games or merchandise. Like, seems like this is perfect because kids love dinosaurs and there's 50 million kids in, in the country. Yeah. Yeah, and games are fun. Sabrina has, how long is that list of, she's got this to-doist group <laughs> of like ideas and it's like 250 things long. And I it's think like, we're down to 230. <laughs> <laughs> If Sabrina could clone herself like six times, then <laughs> they would that list would be done. But yeah, we got to whittle it down. And, and have you have you? Um, I know you do the the idea about paleontology for patrons, but 
Do you ever think about doing like an actual, another podcast that maybe is, you know, once every two weeks or once a month about some other aspect of history, you know, like hardcore history by Dan Carlin, he comes out like once every three months and it's huge. Yeah. We've thought about it, or maybe it's something more narrative, or maybe it's even fiction, but rooted in science. And oh, that's interesting. It, yeah, it, I mean, it would be a lot of fun, but I think we have to grow a little bit bigger and get a little more resources before we can expand in that way. Have you ever tried to get, I know this is uh, impossible just from my own experience, but have you ever tried to get like Steven Spielberg or someone like that on to talk about Jurassic Park and Jurassic World? We have, and yeah, we haven't made it yet. But yeah. I'm hopeful. <laughs> we got close with Colin Trevorrow, who did the Jurassic World. Who's that? He did Jurassic World and okay. maybe the most recent one. Yeah, he did Jurassic Skip World and Jurassic World. World Dominion. And he wrote um, Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> I like you guys are the experts on every, of course you are, but every <laughs> dinosaur thing. I mean, if I, if I were to start all over right now, I would definitely do a niche podcast of some sort. Like, because it just seems that's fun. And you meet the people who are like zealots about what you're doing. It is very fun. Oh, yeah. I had always been expecting that we would get a ton of hate mail. And I was like, hopefully we get more positive feedback than negative feedback. But it's like overwhelmingly positive. There's, It's rare that there's any negative feedback. And usually when it's negative, it's still kind of constructive. Where it's like, I love you guys. Yeah, probably it's just like you pronounced something yeah. wrong or, you know, you got some fact wrong. Yeah. Yes. It was, it was 127 million years ago, not 128 million years ago, as we all know. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> and have you experienced constant growth? Have there ever been dips? It's There's been plateaus, at, but I don't think there's been dips. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it kind of does. So when a Jurassic Park movie comes out, for example, usually we'll go up, you know, get like a little peak, and then it'll fall back down. It usually, I, I think it's usually fallen down like a little bit above where it was before the peak. Mm. So we feel like, oh, we got a bunch of new listeners, and then we lost like, two-thirds of them, but maybe we kept a third. So I guess there's a dip there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that happens to me too. Uh, have you thought about YouTube? Yeah. Yes. Oh, so we are technically on YouTube. Because you could edit your content to have lots of exciting... Yeah, we could. But is it like an audience that grows? Like I, I never seem to grow my YouTube audience. Yeah, YouTube is so different than podcasting that it's like we need to have a whole new strategy for it. And we're... Yeah, trying to come up with stuff to do and then like trying to figure out when to do it. But yeah, we we know that we need to do it. And people, ever since we started putting our podcast on there, because we just put a simple audio file with like our cover art basically, so people can get it that don't have a way to listen to podcasts outside of YouTube. Um, people have always said like, you need pictures, show me what this is, you know, make real videos, all that stuff. So we want to, we know people would like to see it. It's just, it's so much more work doing a YouTube video. I have an idea. Let's say you're doing um, a podcast about some kind of dinosaur. Uh, you could have first a like a, a trivia um, section where it's like you see pictures of, of that dinosaur for three seconds and then facts uh, for three seconds and maybe a picture of it or something else. And then they have to guess what the dinosaur is and then follows the podcast about that dinosaur. So people are drawn in by the quiz and the trivia and uh, uh, and then they stick around for the for the podcast episode in the in the YouTube channel. I like that idea. Yeah, that's fun. I that was heard fun. That. And you could also because there's like there's like some Beatles quizzes where you hear like three notes from a Beatles song and you have to get which, which Beatles song. Like I'm addicted to those. Yeah, 
Yeah. You could also, we could also do live streams and we have people guess live too eventually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a, uh, that would be a good, you know what? It would be good for patrons actually to stream you doing on Twitch, you doing research about dinosaurs, <laughs> about the next podcast. Oh my I don't God. know how so fun that would watch be you. to watch. <laughs> <laughs> we did like, oh, well, let, imagine it for you. Would you like seeing paleontologists discuss the latest new findings of a dinosaur? If we, they were discussing it, but our research is very quiet. <laughs> Would just be us like sitting there reading, taking a couple notes, <laughs> getting a drink of water. So overall, what's your favorite dinosaur? Garrett, you first. So mine's called Ankylosaurus. It's a yeah, a tanky, turtley, club tail known thingy, a, known as a living tank because <laughs> it was so heavily armored, and really the only way that you could. For, I can't think of a better word. But defeat it is <laughs> if you were to somehow flip it over, but it weighed. Uh, several tons. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, was it bigger than an elephant or a mammoth? A it probably mammoth? weighed like in the ballpark of a, maybe not quite as much as an African elephant, maybe an Asian elephant, but it was really short. So like, you know, it wanted to be close to the ground. Maybe more like an armadillo might be the closest modern animal, but like a huge armadillo. <laughs> was it long? Yeah. Yeah. Because it had, and it had a long tail with a club at the end. Yeah, so Ankylosaurus is probably like 25 feet or so long. Wow. And why is that your favorite? I think I liked that that it was just like, maybe it's from my childhood of being like terrorized by my older sisters. And it was like, everybody just left this dinosaur alone. <laughs> right. Too much trouble to eat that. Yeah. So well, who, 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 was the, who was the prey for that dinosaur? It just ate plants. Mm -hmm. I mean, the predator. Or the predator, sorry. Maybe T-Rex, because they were in the same area. It would have been dangerous for T-Rex, though. Yeah. There's a similar relative of it that they named the destroyer of shins because they they modeled it and they were like, yeah, if it swung its tail, it could break a T-Rex ankle, like just really just bash it. Wow, was it fast? No. no. I mean, it could swing its tail fast, but everything else about it was slow. <laughs> yeah. And Sabrina, what what's your favorite dinosaur? It's Brontosaurus, but Brontosaurus, we've heard rumblings that it, it's it's kind of controversial in that when it was first named, a few years after it was named, they said, that's not a real dinosaur. And then it came back a few years ago. But now we're hearing rumblings that it might um, not be considered a real dinosaur yeah. again. So, Wait, what is it considered? Just a, a different dinosaur. So there's Apatosaurus. So it might be a, have been mistaken as an Apatosaurus instead of being its own Brontosaurus. Ah, okay. So I guess I could say Apatosaurus because that's the one. <laughs> That's more what, what, what do you like about what, what do you like about the brontosaurus? Oh, I just they're so they're the sauropods with the long necks and the tails, and just they're huge. And it's probably because I'm small, so <laughs> the fact that they're just ginormous is just always amazing to me. Wow. Well, I'm really envious of you guys. I think you have a really good life and a good thing going on. And I hope people listen to this and get inspired to find their own niche podcast categories what's what's the most strange niche podcast you've encountered because this is like your area oh. there's that uh podcast we actually guest we're guests on for the uh kristen wig it was a oh, kristen yeah. wig podcast it was wig like they wore wigs like you know on your head <laughs> but they really liked kristen wig <laughs> yeah so then they talked about anything she was in while wearing a wig and we talked about, because she voiced a character in one of the Ice Age movies. 
So that was the connection to dinosaurs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is so funny. I love that. That reminds me like of a few years ago. There was, I don't know if this still exists. There was a podcast called Denzel Washington is the greatest actor ever, period. <laughs> and every episode was like about another Denzel Washington movie and they would have on like extras and people who had small roles and stuff like that. That's great. That's amazing. I the love period. The passion. So final, like, so yeah, don't even argue. Yeah, I like the period. <laughs> yeah. It's like in your face. Don't even argue with us about Denzel Washington. <laughs> So, well, well, again, thank you guys so much. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And it's amazing to think that these childhood passions, these things we loved as children could be monetized. And literally you could quit these jobs you spent all this money getting <laughs> college educations for to do a podcast about dinosaurs, which is amazing. Like that's what life should be. Everyone says, oh, with AI, no one's going to have jobs anymore. No, you will have jobs. You're going to fun and love what you're doing and and not be forced to do something you don't love doing. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to get creative and then be open to learning new things. And I think, I think you have to be willing to overlap a little bit. Like there's some hard work during that overlap period where you have your job and you're doing this podcast for pleasure, but then there's the flip. If you, if you have the right combination of passion and, and that combines with other people's passions and so on. Definitely. Yeah. And you got to be willing to make the leap because it is scary. <laughs> yeah. Were you scared, Sabrina? Because now there was nobody bringing home the traditional income. Like when you took the leap. Oh, yes. Were you scared? Terrified. Terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but it's working out so far. <laughs> That's good. It'll work out. Patreon's a good thing because that it just keeps on coming. Definitely. So I was scared when I first made the leap from regular full-time job to being an entrepreneur. I was scared to death, but... That's just that's just part of it. It's it's actually turns out to be more stable than a job. Garrett, <laughs> you got laid off and now you have this thing where you're diversified, you know, hundreds or thousands of people pay money each month to support the Patreon and it's well worth it to them and it's good for you. Yeah, no one can fire us. That is a big perk. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys. Well, thanks for so much for coming on the podcast. What's the name of your podcast? What's How do they get on your email list? The whole thing. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Our podcast is I Know Dino. Uh, it's I-K-N-O-W, like I know about dinosaurs. Um, and we yep. have iknowdino.com. There's patreon.com slash iknowdino. Yep, you can join our newsletter on our website. Um, you can search and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those platforms for Dinosaur Podcast or I Know Dino, which find us. Well, congratulations. I really am envious of your lives and I don't know uh, why you, you've got it. a great life too. Yeah. You're podcasting. I do. And I love my podcast. I, I love it very much. And I love the fact that I am more generalist, but I'm fascinated by the niche podcast because then you could just dive in every day into just what you love. So what if you stop loving dinosaurs though? What will you do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't see a world in where we stop loving dinosaurs. So. We have to go on like a retreat to like <laughs> re-find our love of dinosaurs because <laughs> it's our thing yeah, now. You're gonna, maybe, maybe you're going to have a baseball podcast or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, thanks once again for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. March is National Kidney Month. 37 million Americans have chronic kidney disease, also known as CKD, and most don't know it. 
High blood pressure and diabetes increase the risk for CKD. Symptoms of kidney disease may include fatigue, shortness of breath, lower back pain, high blood pressure, or changes in urination. If you want to protect your kidneys or learn how to get tested, Fresenius Kidney Care can help. Learn more at kidneyrisk.com. That's kidneyrisk.com. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.